The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the Eyes on Isles podcast. What's going on? I'm Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight? Uh, man, it snowed today. It snowed, like, not just a little bit. We woke up this morning, snow everywhere. And then later on this afternoon, snow squall, like complete whiteout conditions for like two hours ridiculous it didn't stay that the second the sun came out it all melted but it was just kind of like what is happening it's april 15th it should not be snowing this much at all yeah i was, I was gonna say i know you're in canada and it's a little a little different weather wise there but april 15th is kind of late for snow even up there no it is uh maybe not like places like edmonton uh but or maybe even winnipeg but here in ottawa it, it might snow a bit like you might it might be cold enough where the rain turns to snow uh, but not like we had today, like these big, huge, if you haven't seen uh, my Twitter video, I posted a video of me reacting to it in the snow as it's like hitting me in the face. And we're talking about like sizable snowflakes here. Yeah. Uh, just con- like, I- I'm trying to barbecue that this is why I was outside. I was barbecuing at this time and the snow is flying in my face. Ridiculous. Anyways, how was, how was your day today? Um, me and Excel got beef. <laughs> that, that that's how my day went. I, as you know, if you've listened to the show before, Mitch knows, I my regular job normally I am running a radio station, which is a little bit different than working <laughs> in micro- different. in Microsoft Excel. But in these kinds of unique working situations, my job has changed slightly and temporarily. Uh, and I hate staring at Excel sheets, which is basically what I'm doing all day, every day, and. It did not go well today, so I, I am very excited to talk some New York Islanders and just forget the last eight hours. Excel can be a terrible thing. Stack Overflow is uh, your savior. If you ever have a problem or trying to figure something out to do in Excel, Stack Overflow. There's tons of answers, and oh my god, it's perfect. It's perfect. But in it, yeah. Let's talk about some Islanders instead of like, ah, if you use a, a, a V lookup, you can find that quite easily. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> do you have an addition for us? 
Uh, oh, well, so we're trying a new game here. Uh, instead of just telling you who the edition is, uh, this podcast is named after, later on in the show, we're going to have a guessing game. So I will give you five clues to figure out who this player is. Okay. Uh, from hard to easy. I was bad at this game last week. You're not going to be much better this time. I was trying to find a player that you would know, and man, with, with 39 games played, there weren't a lot of players that, that, that you would know. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll try it out. Don't worry about it. I mean, that's half the fun. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to point and laugh at Matt now. He, he's the clown of the podcast. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Court, if that's how you want to put it. The, that's the fair. The court gesture, as you will. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. It is. But we learn something. We all learn something in the no, process. I love it. So, speaking of things we love, Ela Sorokin is coming over to the New York Islanders, the biggest story of the week. Igor Aranko on Twitter broke the story. He covers the KHL, and he tweeted out that he has, he being Ela Sorokin, has no plans of re-signing with his KHL team and that he will be joining the New York Islanders after his KHL deal expires which is April 30th. Love it. Love to hear it. Um, sorry, CSK in Moscow. You'll just have to buy some other really good Russian goalie because that's what you can do and constantly do anyways. Um, they'll find a replacement. Don't don't lose any sleep over CSK in Moscow. Uh, but this is great news for us. For, for obvious reasons, everyone has already known that this is happening for a few days now, and everyone has reacted appropriately. Like, I haven't seen one negative comment. Maybe a slight negative comment, and it wasn't necessarily even negative. It was more just kind of like, are we sure he's going to be what we think he's going to be? Like, I want to believe it, but he's never played an NHL game. That's the worst comment I've seen about this situation. Which I think is fair, for sure. I think that's that's a fair critique or concern, if you want to say it like that. Totally, I think that's fair to say. But there's so much more to get into with this, so I think we should probably start with why it's so important that Sorokin is coming over here to the or decided to come over to the Islanders. Man, how do you want to like? There's a multiple avenues that we can take here. The first one is just he's a draft pick that we uh, selected in the third round in 2014 that we never thought would ever come, and he's coming. Uh, regardless, like even if you take the talent equation out of it, even if you take his pure talent and technique and skill out of the the, the the algorithm or the mathematics into him coming over or, or why that's important. Just the fact that he's someone we picked and he's willing to come over is in and of itself important for this franchise, uh, mainly because we want players to come in. We haven't always had success in, yes, attracting people to the Islanders. Like, yes, come play for us, please. Um, and now we're getting that. Then you add the talent factor on top of it. Oh, that's an even bigger impact. Just, again, just the idea of him coming. We have a talented prospect that is willing to come to the Islanders instead of staying in Russia. That's huge. Yeah, and I think that's a great point and something we have to hit on is just a couple of years ago, Ila Sorokin was extending to stay in the KHL because he did not want to come to the Islanders because Garth Snow and Jack Capuano were in charge. Yeah, and uh, there's obviously some pushback on that because people say that, um, well, not say, as if like it's hearsay, but Garcino's Russia agent is currently, um, oh God, Sorokin's agent. So like people are saying that, well, there's not, there can't be that kind of animosity when you have the same representation. And that doesn't, to me, that doesn't actually matter because yeah. the representative isn't the one making the choices. It's still the player. The person, yeah. Um, so yeah, he could have extended and, and been making money now. If he's as good as he is, he 
would be making well over the two million he was making in the KHL today. Yep. So he'd have more money in his pocket. But he said, Nena, I-, I know I will make money eventually, but I don't want to make money for these clowns. Right. And he could have, I mean, theoretically, if he waited out even more, he could have came over and just been signed by anybody, correct? I imagine at some point he could. Uh, I don't know when that is exactly. There's a real weird area when it comes yeah. to Russian prospects or picks from Russia. Uh, so I, I, I think they might even hold it indefinitely, but I'm not, I'm not confident to state that as fact. Gotcha. Okay. More of the story, I don't blame him for a second not wanting to come over to play, but now completely different. And I, this is going to sound so cliche to say, but it really starts with ownership because they were the ones who, from the get-go, since taking over, they got this team a new arena that is in the process of being built, except for right now because of the pandemic. Yes, of course. <laughs> Caveat there. <laughs> they decided to bring in arguably the best general manager of this most recent generation in Lou Lamarillo, someone who has multiple Stanley Cups in the 90s and early 2000s. And then Barry Trotz, who fresh off a Stanley Cup, arguably the best coach in the league, is coaching this team. He brings in Mitch Korn, arguably the best goalie coach in the league. And, like, it just goes, the list goes on and on, where you're scratching your head and saying, this doesn't make sense. Like, the Islanders were always looked at like a second-rate organization and, like, the little brother to the Rangers. And, you know, maybe they still are the little brother to the Rangers in the sense that they are the original six team. They have the bigger fan base and stuff like that. But from how they are running, it's not like chickens with their head cut off just running around like crazy not knowing what the heck's going on. There is organized and structure, and I think it's a good thing, clearly. Well, so th- that's the thing. We don't have owners that are using it as, as a statement piece, right? Like, I own the New York Islanders. They might be, but they're also using it as an investment, as owners should be doing, right? Like, they see the possibility for a huge return on, what, what did they spend 400 and some odd million dollars in buying the franchise and everything else yes. along with it? Once Belmont is built, that's already going to be above that. I would, I'd be surprised if it's already if the Islanders aren't already worth more than that today. Yeah, they'd have to be with uh, Seattle coming into the league and with Vegas already. And right? then you you factor in the fact that they're a winning franchise. They are established in terms of their their management. Uh, that 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 is a health check on a franchise when it comes to valuation. That's what owners care about more. Like obviously, yes, they care about winning because winning at the end of the day gives them monies, right? And that that's their bottom line. And so when it when it comes to that, when you you give the right plot, it's the ownership and essentially getting a Sorokin here. While they didn't put their hand directly on the switch, their fingerprints are all over the place because they built this, rebuilt it really, from the ground up by putting a man in charge at the top and making structured and responsible decisions from top to bottom. And it's manifesting itself in not only, like you said, the arena management, so on and so forth, and winning on the ice, but that winning on the ice is then attracting some some of these players that were in the fringes going like, hold up, you know what? I want to be part of this. Well, the crazy part in itself, Zach Parise was willing to waive his no-trade clause to come to the Islanders. When were you seeing that? Never. Uh, to be fair, he's 36. Right. And like, he's coming back to play for Lou, specifically. I think True. if Lou would have been in Nashville, it would have been the same thing. You're, you're probably right. It's just, I think the idea of the Islanders being a destination to a guy oh. 
Like, that is really what I was trying to say. Okay, then one million percent agree with you. Yes, and and that's huge for this this franchise. They weren't, and they're still not gonna like. If you you redo the Artemi Panera New York Islanders uh, free agency again, nine times out of ten he's still taking the Rangers. No, it's not because of the wife. The wife, I believe, actually wanted to come to the Islanders. Uh, it's because they're they're just a bigger they're just a bigger team. They're a bigger market. They just are. Can that can that change? Absolutely. Will we ever be the bigger market? Well, I don't know about that, but we might Probably we not. might get close. Yeah, I would think it'd be very tough, but I think you could at least be in the same conversation if things go according to plan or even better in the next, you know, five to ten years and stuff like that. I think the next thing that we have to get into with this is we kind of hit on like how it says like the state of the organization's in a good spot. But something that you brought up is that they haven't had that franchise goalie since healthy Rick DiPietro, which is what, 15 years ago? 16 years ago? 12, 2007, 2008 with his okay. last full season where he had like 62 or 63 games played. Okay. And I, th- I think it was like 62 or 63 games started even. Like that's, and it was like four years, right? There's four years of 50, 60, 60, some odd, you know, give or take one or two on those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I bring up Rick DiPietro is because of that more than two years of straight 50 to 60 starts. We haven't had a goalie like that since Rick DiPietro. And like you said, that was 12 years ago. For 12 years, the Islanders struggled to have a consistent presence in the middle, of, in the, between the pipes. And that's something that most NHL teams have had. If you look at their, the games played for goalies for all teams within that period of time, excluding Vegas, sorry, uh, from 2008-2009 till this year, the Islanders ranked dead last in terms of leader or whoever the, who the leader is for most games played as a goalie. And that's Thomas Grice with 193 games. Thomas Grice is the most games played for the Islanders from 2008 to 2019-2020. That's ridiculous. He's a backup, was brought in to be a backup. Obviously, the situation changed, which is why he's there. But still, there's no one else above him. No one. Every other team in the league has a guy that has more games than Thomas Grice. Every single one. Right, And yes, we are happy with what Grice did for this organization. He's exceeded every expectation that he had. But even at his peak, he's a 1B, right? Yeah, I, I think that what, what we're really trying to focus on here is that the systemic instability between the pipes mm-hmm. can be is visible when you say that Thomas Grice is the most games, not because of who Thomas Grice is, but what his role was, and that it's 193, and there isn't a singular team with fewer games played by a single goalie in the NHL over that period of time, aside from Vegas, but they only existed for three years now. Right, that doesn't it doesn't count, but yeah, it's it could be, and everything has to go according to plan. Then every with uh, Sorokin, of course, but he's twenty five years old, and you had the guy who, at first, like we said earlier, didn't want to come here. Now is here, and you could potentially have him long term, which is exactly what you need because you have, you have stability in other areas, but goalie is always something that comes up with this team. As something that's an issue and whether it's when you do have solutions and I'm using solutions loosely, like, for instance, Nabokov Band-Aid fix and that was short lived. Halak was kind of 
like that in a sense, probably a little bit better because he had that first really good year. But then after that, injuries, he got sent down in year three and then was okay that fourth year. Grice, like we already talked about, he was brought in to be a backup at his best as like a 1B. Leonard, he was great, but that was one year. Like You don't have this stable plan where every year you go in and it's like, okay, you have goalie figured out. Like, Could you imagine being a team where every year, like the Rangers, Crosstown Rival, they go every year in year and year out for the last decade plus was okay. Lundqvist and Net. Now what? Well, the Islanders <laughs> they don't have that. <laughs> no. You're right. That's exact. And now they have a new guy. All right, uh, Lundqvist is Shesterkin. Done. Boom. Which is uh, is going to be great between the two of them. The, oh, the yeah. huge. They're the they're good buddies and rivals. It's great. Anyways. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with with Sorokin, the the possibility is there, right? Like we all know his stats in the KHL. They're they're ungodly with like. Well, maybe not ungodly. That that's maybe being over dramatic. They're incredible, right? A nine thirty save percentage and a one. I'm gonna say a one seventy save per, uh, goals against average in two hundred and forty four right. games in the regular season. In the playoffs, he's a nine forty save percentage and a one sixty goals against. It's something around that, like give or take. It's it's round numbers, pretty close to that. Pretty good. Uh, it, insane, insane numbers that he puts up. The only, and this is where I want to get maybe a little negative, is the only issue that I have is the the volume of games that he's played and the volume of shots he's faced. Okay. Right, like the most starts he gets in a year is maybe 30? Uh, he had 40 the last two years. Okay. All right, well, that's a little bit better. I was worried. I, I had, for some reason I had thirty stuck in my head because the KHL season's only like fifty-eight games long or something. But that that makes sense. They're they're running about forty. Okay, then then I will withdraw the volume of games played then uh, as a criticism. But the volume of shots still remains. Definitely. It just to make everyone aware, it's forty, forty, thirty-seven, thirty-nine in the last four years, which is a a decent chunk of games. But I one hundred percent agree with you with the shots. There, he's probably facing roughly like twenty shots a night. Right. Yeah, and then when you're playing for the Islanders, you're, you're facing forty between thirty and forty. Yeah, usually, and that certainly could come into play. It's it's all hearsay at this point, though. You have no idea what he's going to be at this level. No, you have no idea. It's just uh, I want to bring that into instead of just like, oh, we're all, we can't wait for him to win the Vezina Trophy as an Islander. He could very well, but right. I just want to put that in for for anyone who might be like, wow, well, what about this? You're right. There is something to be well. What about about the Sorokin situation and it's the shot volume that that could be fixed, obviously, and that that could be mediated. Like they, they could work around that because he's not the only goalie to ever come from Russia who right. has the same shot volumes, right? Like, they didn't just all of a sudden become a, a defensive trap league in the KHL. That's not how it works. So, yeah. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. But like you said, his numbers are phenomenal. His worst year since going over to CSKA came in 16-17, where he put up a 9.29 save percentage and a 1.61 goals against average. What a loser. <laughs> what a loser. What a terrible goalie. Get him out of here. Boo! You stink. I was trying um, to do like the two the two old Muppets. I don't know if you ever seen the Muppet Show. Yes, I've seen the Muppet Show. Okay, just I'm just, not that just young. checking. 
Just checking. <laughs> Bo, get him out. I can't even do their voices. Doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, if that's the worst he can ever do at the KHL, oh my god. Which is why we're all kind of waiting for this kid to just just to see what he's got. Right. Because we've seen the highlight reels, we've seen the stat lines, and now we know he's coming. The deal isn't signed yet, but the, the, he's not going to go anywhere. He's he's stuck to the Islanders. So if he signs anywhere, it's with us. So I, I can't can't wait for it to happen. Now, one more thing before we move on from Sorokin. I wanted to talk to you about, because I had something go up, and a lot of people were mad at me for saying this, and I'm not rooting for this, but with how Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz operate, they like to take things slow. Yep. Do you think he starts, like opening night, he is on the Islanders roster, or do you think he goes like his buddy Shesterkin and is in the AHL to start next year? I don't see why it's such a hot take to say he might start in the AHL. Right, that's what I was saying. I'm like, if you need somebody in my article, I was, and they're like, those guys stink. I'm like, well, you don't want to pay a backup four million dollars who's going to play for two months. So I had guys like Brian Elliott and Keith Kincaid and guys like that who you could probably pay a million bucks and play them, you know, ten to fifteen games in October, November, and then have Sorokin come up if need be, if you're even at that point. I, I don't think that that's such a hot take. Like, uh, if, even then, Arthur Staple alluded to that that fact as well in his article mm-hmm. uh, when he was talking to Igor Ronko about it. Like, you're not the only one to bring that up. It's not to say, like, you're an unoriginal thought. I'm just trying to add yeah, yeah. credence to the fact that other people are making that same point. And it's not to say that you want or we want Sorokin to start in the HL. I would love for him to come in and, and put the league on fire and start in the NHL day one. But you make a good case. Like these guys like to take their time. When you have time, you take it, right? Like they were going to send Noah Dobson for a two-week conditioning stint this year, right, to the AHL. That's what they do. That's what Lou has done everywhere he's gone. He doesn't just bring kids in right away. He just does not. And he said that quite deliberately on a number of occasions. So does he start in the AHL? He might. He might very well. And it's not like he's going to be there forever, just like you mentioned for Shistyorkin. Mm-hmm. He was only there 22 games. I think 17-4-2, like so 23 games, that is. Yeah, it was just over 20. It was between 20 and 25, if I remember correctly, and then 12 in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think he could. Uh, do I want him to? No, but it's Lou, so I, and I'm sure he will. If, they, if they're at all worried about just... And, and look, Barry has said it before, right? Like, we don't want to just throw these kids in there and have their confidence ruined because that can happen in this league. Well, what can happen to a kid who's just coming over from the KHL? Sure enough, he's not like a young 18-year-old. He's 25 right. uh, or will be 25 in, in August. Um, I, don't ha- I don't think we have to worry about his confidence necessarily. But you don't want to come into the NHL when you've usually faced 18 to 20 shots a night and faced 20 shots in the first period against Columbus or something. Right, absolutely. Be like, ah, sorry, buddy. We usually open the season up against Carolina, so you're gonna start, and they're gonna have about 37 shots in period one. So welcome <laughs> to the NHL, kid. He's gonna get five in the first. All right, just five on his own. <laughs> so welcome to the NHL, and uh, if you need anything, just uh, we're right here. Give us a holler. Uh, go get it, bu- go get it, buddy. <laughs> Here's your water. Have fun. Bye. Oh, man. So he might. We'll see, obviously, when it comes to training camp. Um, But I don't think it's such a hot take to have to bring in a $1 million goalie to say, like, look, if if you're not playing well, 
well, we're, we have a guy. We're going to have you in. You might start eight games, ten games, whatever. And uh, when we bring our kid up, if we do, you're going to the A. You don't like it. I don't care. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's really up to him at that point. Either way, they get a million bucks and still have a shot at the NHL. And it's going to be a one-year deal. So, you know, when free agents comes around, they can probably sign another deal with another NHL team. That's how it works. Yeah. 100%. So, so um, that that's pretty much it on Sorokin, right? You didn't have anything else you wanted to hit on? Nothing else. All right. So we're going to take our first break. But when we come back, we're going to transition a little bit and get into NHL draft. And we're going to talk draft value. So find out the value of a third-round pick. Next. What's going on? Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you talking New York Islanders hockey. Transitioning now to the NHL draft. And Mitch had something this week where he was talking about the value of the third round pick. So I'm interested to learn a little bit more about this, Mitch. What do you got for me? So uh, I did this because we don't have a first and we don't have a second going into the 2020 draft, right? Um, We sent that to the Ottawa Senators for Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. And so I was like, all right, well, what can we possibly get out of the third round? Is there precedence for finding, you know, um, diamonds in the rough when it comes to the third round? And of course, there's always going to be an example of like, well, we found this guy. Like, Sergei Fedorov was drafted in the sixth or seventh round, whatever year he was drafted, and I forget. Uh, So I, I wanted to look. Have the Islanders specifically, though, been able to find diamonds in the rough in the third round? And as of 1996, so over the last 20 years, because I, I went from 2016, I, I didn't count 17, 18, 19, because we don't really fair. know what those kids are doing. Uh, right. They're not, either not in the NHL or nowhere near. It's, it's not fair. So from 1996 to 2016, there were three. Three suitable diamonds in the rough for the Islanders. Chara in 96, Nielsen in 02, and Adam Pellick in 2012. Uh, yeah, I was going to, the only one that I knew off the top of my head was Pelic. Yeah. And, and so, but to be fair, like the Islanders haven't always had a third round pick. Like they didn't have true. one 98, 2000, 01, 03, and 2016. Okay. I, that's not a great hit rate, but obviously when you go later and later in the draft, that's going to go, you know, the numbers are going to go down. Right. And like, you're not always going to find quality in it. Like, let's say I, I, Went through those same drafts, and I, I picked out players that have turned, uh, turned, made themselves into big, not maybe not big NHL stars, but into quality NHL players, like top quality NHL players. Like how many, like not even just diamonds, but like I don't whatever mineral is more expensive than a diamond. I don't know what that is, but either way, you get where I'm trying to go with me, it. Yeah. How many billion dollar lottery tickets are you finding in the third round? And since 1996, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the ninth one being like, uh, we'll see still. So Brad Richards in 98, pretty good yeah. player, uh, had a 90-point season. Patrick Sharp, three-time Stanley Cup yeah. champion, pretty good in 2001. 05, you had Chris Letang, Jonathan Quick. You even had Ben Bishop. I didn't include him just because he hasn't actually won anything. Uh, but, you know, Letang, three-time Cup champion. Quick, two-time Cup champion, pretty big. Uh, Brad Marchand, 06, notably a, f- a former Islanders pick. We actually held the draft pick for this. What trade was that involved in? Oh, God, you're going to make me go back to that. Okay, I don't, don't remember. Do it. Don't, I'm sorry, don't do it. I... <laughs> I'm going to say Richard Park. Interesting, okay. For some reason, that's that's coming to mind. It's in the, the trade tree for Ziggy Palfi. 
It's in the whole okay. Ziggy Palfi trade tree trade realm anyways. Uh, go back and look at my Ziggy Palfi trade tree piece and you'll find out. I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, Jordan Bennington in 11, uh, 11, in 2011. Jesus Christ, 11. It's not even a word. Uh, 2012, Freddie Anderson, Matt Murray. So we're looking at goalies here. Jake Gensel, a 13. Braden Point in 14. And I put Adam Fox in 2016. Uh, but again, it's 2016. That's four years from that, like, ago. Like, we're not really sure what he's going to be, but so far he looks pretty damn good. Right. So, so with that being said, you're not finding a whole lot, and the odds of you hitting are, aren't, aren't great. No, and I guess, are there really any, like, super bad misses in those third rounds that you've noticed with the Islanders, like going through, it's not like, oh my God, like I can't believe they didn't take player X or like, what were they thinking taking, I don't know, Eamon McAdam in the third round. Like you, you kind of understand the logic and Garth, he seemed to always go with a goalie during those years around that time. Yeah. And you're, you're not, he's not the only one, right? Like, again, look at all the names I brought up for like third round hits, Jonathan Quick, Jordan Bennington, Freddie Anderson, Matt Murray. And there, there are more. These are just like some of the, the big names that I wanted to bring out, like household names that everyone would know. Right. Um, I, I don't think there's any like huge misses. Again, like you said, it's a third round. And you can't really criticize them too badly for like, oh, you didn't draft this player? What an idiot. Um, it's a third round. You're, you're getting into draft picks where it's, it's kind of like a crapshoot uh, where you're throwing dartboard or darts at the board. Um, I, what I wanted to see is how often are you hitting something? Like, how close are you to that dartboard when you're at the third round? Are you as far back as the seventh or are you as close as the second round pick? Right. And, and I would say you're somewhere between you're, you're a few feet back. You can see it pretty well, but you're still not sure of how close you're actually going to hit or not. Right. So first round obviously is I mean, the more the further you go back, obviously, it gets tougher and tougher. But I feel like round one, usually in most cases, you're getting an NHL caliber player. And then round two obviously gets a little bit harder, but I feel like you could still have some expectation there. After that, it's kind of crapshoot after. Yeah, so that's the thing when it comes to like the third round forward. Uh, you're not going to get all of the consistently a, a top quality player. You're not right. going to get consistently even an NHL caliber player, like you're saying. And these are things that that, are, that seem fairly obvious to most people, and, and that's perfectly fine. It is kind of obvious. You're three rounds out. Why would you think the 90th pick is going to turn into anything? Like, there's another 90 kids ahead of him that, that could do something. What I really wanted to bring out of this is, how have the Islanders figured out that? What have they done when, when they're stuck in the third round? Or not maybe not stuck, but... They're at the podium for the third round pick. How often are they turning those picks into something? And it's not very frequently. Okay. And when you look at that, is that something, like when you wrote it, is it like it should be higher or you just wanted to point out like, eh, that's not really something that the Islanders have been hitting a lot. Like, do you think that number should be higher? I think it should be a little bit higher. Uh, Just in terms of like the, again, 20 years, three players, right? That's less than a third of the, of the picks. That's bad. Maybe less than a third. What am I talking about? It's, it's a lot less than a third. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why it, I'm stuck in That's less than a third. Yeah, of course. It's 320. <laughs> We're looking at, uh, let me do some quick math 15. here. Not good at math, but uh, 15%. Yeah. They, they converted on 15% of their picks. In terms of NHL quality players, 
Uh, that's not a good return. So when I pro- then project that to the 2020 draft, what do I think? Because, like, again, the first time we get up to the podium, we're throwing a dart at the board. They've already picked, like, some 60-odd players ahead of us. What are we going to do? Yeah, it's it's tough. It is, that's why the job of an NHL GM is clearly not an easy one. And you got to hit – that's why it's so important to hit on your first-rounders because – then your draft, you'd be like, oh, draft wasn't so bad. You got player X in the first round. But when the Islanders have had guys, and I mean, you look at, we're going to get into in a little bit, some of the, you know, the best drafts and the worst drafts from the 2010s. That's our next topic. But it's, it makes your life that much harder when you are missing on those top tier picks. Those, that should be, in quotes, surefire or as close to surefire as possible. Absolutely. So uh, when we were going to go up to the podium in 2020, uh, what what I'm really trying to figure out is, should I be excited about what's going to come to the Islanders? And my, the answer is no. It's not that I'm not, I'm going to hate that third round pick no matter who he is. It's just I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sit with bated breath to see who the Islanders pick. I'll, I'll look and then, then it's going to be all right. I'll forget that name for a couple of years. Right. I mean, there's because I'm just I'm looking back here in 2019. Do they have a third? No. Uh, Jacob Skarik in 2018. I would not bet on him playing with the Islanders. No, <laughs> uh, but if, if he's any good, then you got a trade chip, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you certainly could. It's, it's. There's no way to know. There is no way to know. But at the end, at the end of the day, here, in if you had to bet on it, you were saying that this player probably won't turn into anything. No, not at all. Which is, Unfortunately, for whoever they pick. Sorry. Right. Which I think is important to look at. So I, I'm glad we were able to see. Because I was curious, like, when, you know, I, I read the article, obviously, but I just, you know, I, I was curious before I clicked on it what the success rate was. And clearly it's not very high. I think it would be interesting to look at. Obviously, it's a lot more work. I'm not saying that you should have done this. But if you looked at, <laughs> like, every team in the, every team in the league and how, and how the Islanders compare. But it, it's curious. Like, it's something to look at in times like these. It's something to look at in times like these. That's right. But maybe I'll go back and look at all 30 teams over their 20-year third-round pick history. That's <laughs> not. Gonna that... I'll figure it out. I'll figure something out. If I go, if only I could program a bot to do it for me. That's what I great. mean. Like, I'm not saying that you should have done the work or anything like that. That's preposterous. But to have that information and to see. But just knowing for the Islanders that it's been three in 20 years is, that doesn't seem great. Always criticizing my work. We should just rename this podcast to Criticize Mitch's Work by Matt O'Leary. Checks out. (laughs) All right, let's get into some of the better and some of the worst drafts from the 2010s. That's the next thing that we wanted to do was talk about the best and the worst. So uh, do you want to go year by year? Do you want to do best first and worst first? How do you want to do this, Mitch? I'd like to go from worst to best. Okay. Mainly because that'll allow me to follow my article in a structured <laughs> the way I structured it in my article. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll let I'll let you roll with it, man. So worst worst was uh, 2012. So again, I'm going from 2010 to 2019. I'm going over all those. Uh, there is worst, and then when when I get to the middle part, that's the uh, we'll see. I'm not sure section of, of the the worst to best, but the worst one is 2012 uh, because we picked Griffin Reinhardt fourth overall. Yeah, and I posted on the uh, the social, I think on Facebook at least, the video of the Islanders <laughs> drafting Griffin Reinhardt, and just hearing everyone talking him up and what he turned out to be, it, 
it was just like an entire old takes exposed video. But uh, yeah, clearly a swing and a miss there for the Isles. Big swing and a miss. And I did not grade this on, on what came out of that pick. I, I just, the player itself. So I'm not going to give the Islanders points for then turning him into right. Matthew Barzal, Anthony Beauvillier. No, that's not that's not fair. Agreed. That's not fair. Exactly. They, they drafted Griffin Reinhardt to be their next defensive stud, and he's played mm, 37 games in, in the NHL in his career. Right. So when your fourth overall pick has 37 games, you had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks, and you have 37 games from Reinhardt, 247 from Adam Pellick, which is pretty good, and then four from your seventh-round pick in Jake Bischoff. Who I think played all those games with Vegas. He did last year yeah. because they picked him up in the, in the Grabowski deal. Right. So, like, you've essentially got one decent player out of that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. A, a third-round pick, mind you, right? Like, again, like we right. talked about, just kind of, like, praying and hoping. Uh, so next was the 2014 draft. Okay. Uh, there, they had two first-round picks. Michael Del Cole, Joshua Sang. Joshua Sang, say what you will about who's to blame on either side, but it's clearly not working out, and it clearly won't work out, so that that has not penned out, and it will not. Like, it's not, we're not even going to get something good back for him. Right. Uh, and then Michael Del Cole is, at best, a third-liner. At best. And he was a fifth overall pick. Right. As much as we, like, we've, kind of said that we've liked Josh Hosang and stuff like that, and yes, we've been critical of Del Cole, but when you have two first-rounders and now six years later, neither one of them are on your roster. <laughs> well, I mean, neither one of them are providing, like, they're not... Or impact players. Pieces. Yes, thank you. You said it a lot better than I did, but you had two first-round picks and neither of them are impact players. Thank you. There you go. The most impactful player so far in that draft is Devin Taves which was a fourth-round pick. Right. Right. And that might change. This could very well change because a third-round pick there is Ilya Sorokin. Uh, so this could this could turn real quick for them. Sure. Um, but still, you had two picks in the first round, and you whiffed on both of them. Correct. That's not good. Uh, next is it could have been better draft. It was 2010. And I, okay. I put that one there as a like borderline, and eh, not too sure, because, again, they had two first-round picks. Uh, Nino Niederreiter was the fourth overall, if I'm not mistaken, or fifth, fifth, fifth overall. Yeah. Uh, and then they had Brock Nelson as the 30th overall. While Nino is still a good player at the NHL level, he was not a good player for the Islanders because they failed to understand his character and failed to understand him as a player and alienated him to the point where he was gone within two years. Right. That When you have someone who put up, what was it, like 10 points for you? Maybe. Uh, let me scroll down here. Put up. Oh, I don't have it open. Uh, Nino Niederreiter has <laughs> three. Three. Okay. It was even worse three. than I thought. Three. three. <laughs> A top five pick who put up three points for you. Um, and Brock- In 64 games, mind you. In 64 <laughs> games. Right. That I'm not. This isn't as much on Nino as it is on the Islanders. We're just saying like, but... At face value, when you have a top five pick do that for you, yes, that you can't count that as a good draft. Nelson, now, ten years later, you're getting that you're getting good value out of it, but that even took a little bit. It took a little bit, and again, that's on the Islanders because they that untapped potential. Like Barry Trotz has seen that from his bench in Nashville and Washington, going like, Why is that guy playing in the third line? Why isn't that guy playing down the middle in their top six? Oh well, lulls. 
and then he gets here. Boom. He's a 60-point player. <laughs> what? Thank you, Barry Trotz. Thank you, Barry. Uh, next, so I went with undecided. So uh, these can be fairly obvious. Uh, 2019, 17, and 18 um, for, for clear reasons. Uh, 2019, we have no idea what's going to happen with like Simon Holmstrom. Has yet to play at the NHL level. Right. Looks okay in the AHL, and he's already here. That's huge. Uh, and some of their, their their later round picks in 2019 are pretty darn good players too, uh, putting up big numbers where they are. Like Simon Bolder, sorry, Simon Samuel Bodzik is putting up good numbers. Uh, had uh, 27 points in 29 games for the Sherbrooke Phoenix before the season was canceled. Uh, and then you got Reese Newkirk putting up points, Felix Bibo putting up points. So is Kolkowski. and that's your second, fifth, sixth, and seventh round pick. Right. Like the, the last three are, are, I believe, either close to, if not already overage players. So that's why they went a little bit late. But they're, they're putting up points. Like Koski's seventh round pick, 209th overall, had 80 points in 62 games for the Saginaw Spirit. Yeah, I mean, he put up big numbers. And if I remember correctly, I feel like he did relatively well in the Islanders' like prospect scrimmage thing this year, the blue and white scrimmage. I feel yes. like I remember that name during that for some reason. Um, but. Like you said, there's no way to know about those guys yet, so that's completely fair. Next was 2017. We did not have a first-round pick, and the best player we got out of the draft is potentially Sebastian Ajo. Right, in the in the, in the the fifth round. You don't really hear a whole lot about Robin Sallow. He's coming over to North America this year, I would imagine, uh, so we might see him, but Ben Marigras, or Marigias, or whatever you want to pronounce it, uh, we'll see. Uh, Arnaud Durando is here, but he's playing primarily in the ECHL uh, and Logan Cockrell. Uh, what? So yeah. again, the only player to play any NHL time is Sebastian Ajo with 22 games. So not, not a good return. They didn't have their first there because of the Grabowski Vegas deal, but still, right. um, Ben Salo still isn't here almost three, uh, three years to the day. Uh, and then 2016, Kiefer Bellows was the ninth in the overall pick that year. Uh, they did get Otto Koivula as well, so you got some some good value there-ish. We'll see. Together, they combined for 20 games at the NHL level. And Not then uh, Anatoly Golishev is coming over next year. So we'll see. Right, so that would be something to keep an eye on, but potentially that one could... I feel like that one could rise up a little bit higher. I think it could rise up into a good... It's already like uh, uh, could be a good year. That's what I, I termed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then good-ish was 2011. So it's not great yet, but it's still pretty good. Uh, we got Ryan Strom that year, fifth overall. He was fine. Uh, he wasn't great, but he's still a serviceable player. 50-year season, 30-point player. Uh, is more, more than that now for the Rangers, right. but still. Uh, and then we got Scott Mayfield as well. That's a really good pick for us. Uh, Scott Correct. Mayfield is an excellent player to have. Uh, I'm just scrolling down to get back to the list here. Uh, Sunstrom, we got a bunch of guys to play some games for us at some point. So we got something out of it. We were able to see what we had and decided that it wasn't any good instead of just them never, never amounting to anything. Correct. So I, I get the logic behind that. Like Mayfield, steady, steady player. Strom had that one really good year and then was okay for two years. Yep. Obviously didn't reach the potential, but I understand your logic behind ranking that one higher. Yeah, you're you're definitely getting more than what you got from your other, you know, not so great first round picks. Like it's more than Dal Cole, it's more than anyone else. So yes, for the best. So I, again, I will 
end it on the, the very best draft that we had in this decade. 2013 was a good one uh, because we were able to pull Ryan Pulak at 15th overall that year. Yeah. Uh, we were also able to get Alan Quine in the sixth round. Like, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, he was, like, for a sixth round, he was fine. He was okay. Yeah, but a sixth-round pick, right? So, again, dart on the board. Let's see what happens. Double OT winner, baby. Yeah, they don't come huge. for cheap. No, it was huge. And then Eamon McAdam landed you Matt Martin. Right, you got Matt Martin back after that mistake, so that's pretty good. <laughs> True. Uh, although I didn't, I didn't rank that because I'm not ranking the, the trades. But totally fair. Next is 2018. So 2018 is my second, like second in terms of ranking for the best draft in the 2010s uh, because we got two uh, picks in the in the first round. Right. Noah Dobson has already played at the NHL level, already has 34 games played, and looks great for it. Oliver Wallstrom is just a step behind him. But we also got Bodie Wild, which is a great player. We got Ruslan Ishkakov as well. Like Our top four picks that year were outstanding. Outstanding in 2018. Right, no, the, and that's the thing. You had four picks in the first two rounds. So we talked earlier about like draft value. Like no, You're going to get the most out of those. So I, I think that has the potential to be one of the better ones of the decade for sure. Absolutely. They they already have combined Wallstrom and Dobson 43 games played. That's more than Aho in 2017. That's more than the whole class of 2016 combined. So combined with the two uh of 2017 and 16, they've already played more games. Okay, there you go. So that's huge. And then the best draft is 2015 for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, that checks out. Right, like we we draft Matthew Barzell. We didn't even have we didn't even have a pick in the first round, right? Because I went to Buffalo, which sent it to Ottawa for Robin Leonard and so on and so forth. Uh, but we didn't have one, so we ended up traded it, trading uh, Reinhard for Barzell. Bo, uh, we then get Van de Salpel, Parker Wortherspoon, which look like serviceable guys. Like they're in the AHL right now, doing okay. Right. Uh, actually, Sample I think is the ECHL. Uh, flipping between the two, or no, he didn't finish the year. He got injured. Sorry. And then you got Ryan Pylon or Pilon and Andung Tsong, which I'm not, he hasn't really played in the last couple of years, and Peter Hansen. Like, whatever, but you're fifth, sixth, and seventh. You're first, you're two first, you're third, and you're fourth. So far, look okay. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have Barzal and Beauvillier in the first round, then it, it's hard to, you know, argue with that one. Yeah, Barzal already won you hardware in terms of a Calder trophy. So, already paying dividends. No, I. I agree for the most part with everything that you said in your in your rankings and stuff like that. The, to me, the ones that stand out, 15 for what you got already, 18 with potential, and then in terms of bad, like 2012 just jumped off the page right away. Yeah, just nothing going there. <laughs> nothing happening there whatsoever. No, but I'm 100% with you on that one, for sure. Perfect. Do you want to get to our quiz? Let's do it. So we're trying something different as we tried last week. I, You don't know who the player is. You only no. know that he's played for the Islanders and he's played 39 games for the Islanders. So I'll ask you five questions about this player uh, and I hope you get it right. We'll okay. see. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you'll get it by the fifth one, but you, I doubt you get it before that. Question number one. I was born April 13th, 1972. Next. I graduated Harvard in 1995. Next. Okay. I was drafted fifth in, uh, yes, fifth overall in the 1994 supplemental draft by the Hartford Whalers. 
The supplemental draft is a way for college players who weren't eligible for the NHL draft to still be drafted. Next. Okay. <laughs> We're at four. I was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning for a conditional second round pick in 2001. So the Islanders traded him to the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2001 for a conditional second round pick. So, okay, someone from the early 2000s that they traded. Next. Okay, last one, and you might get this one. I have the same name, basically, there's an extra letter at the end. I have the same name as a famous comedian and banjo player. Comedian and banjo player? Come on, Matt. He's like a bluegrass banjo player, but he's a very famous comedian. He's kind of old, not kind of old, but he's he's aged. He's white hair. Was the original jerk? Who? What? How? Steve Martin. Do you not know who Steve Martin is? I know Steve Martin. So the player is Steve Martins. There's an S at the end. Steve Martins. Okay. Played 39 games for the New York Islanders. Nothing. I again. The, the names that we had for 39 games in the end for the New York Islanders was not a list of players that you would have got. Like Neil Nicholson. Do you know who he is? No. No, I didn't think so. So Steve Martins was the guy. He has 21 goals in his career. <laughs> yeah. They, I'm, look, if they're only playing 39 games from the Islanders, they're probably not. They have, probably haven't been around for a while. Until we get to like the Thomas Vanek with like forty-seven games played, so we need another. I can't wait. Few of these. I can't wait to episode one forty-seven then. <laughs> I'll pick. I'll pick someone else. <laughs> Thanks. You All right. Welcome. When we come back, we're gonna get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. What's going on, Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson back on the Eyes on Isles podcast. We are getting into the social segment. Mitch, what do you got for us? Uh, my first one here is from Evan Weinberg at EY98 saving, saying never a doubt, hashtag Isles. And it's a screen grab of Ilya Sorokin fly fishing with Simeon Varlamov back on June 25th, 2017. And they're in Colorado, right? The, it says here, yeah, Woody Creek, Colorado, fly fishing. Interesting. So for anyone wondering why we brought Simeon Varlamov, well, there it is. They're, they're, the proof is right in that picture. They are hashtag buds. Okay. I mean, that everything is starting to make sense a little bit. Yeah, Lou does everything. There's a method to his madness, right? No, it seems that way for sure. Perfect. What do you got? So this one's from Eric Hornick. So first, um, I wanted to mention that I love the – not the Islanders, but MSG rebroadcasting the old games. I think the Sean a, Bates game was tonight. Exactly. Sean Bates game. I watched game six earlier in the week from the 1980 Stanley Cup Finals. So, Eric Hornick tweets, at Howie Rose, just mentioned DiPietro leading Bridgeport to a playoff series win over Manitoba and that they would face the Baby Leafs. They'd win that series too and then beat Hamilton in the semis. DiPietro never won another series as a pro after that. That's Hashtag. depressing. Hashtag sad. <laughs> that's sad. But, like, when you go back and that's kind of – I'm going to piggyback off that. But when you go back and watch the old games and some of the things that are said and some of the things that you believed at the time. So, DiPietro, at that point, it was like that That was the future. 
Obviously, he's a former yeah. first overall pick. Like, that was the future of the team. I'm going to piggyback off that and kind of go into my second one. So, I mentioned that I watched game six. Yeah. Did you know that in game six, Bobby Nystrom scored the game tying goal? No. Okay. I don't know why I didn't know that. So, I, I wasn't really too sure either, but he did score. He scored the game tying goal. And the announcer said, that's probably the biggest goal that that he would score in his life. <laughs> and I turned to my dad and I go, "Boy, little does he know." Yeah. Oh man, that that statement didn't age well. <laughs> no. That, talk about old takes exposed. But I, uh, yeah, I just found that funny. So in the, I wanted to get that Hornick tweet out there because that was an interesting stat. But then I wanted to also talk about how I like the idea of rebroadcasting these games and something funny that I noticed in the rewatch of game six. That's interesting. That's fun. Yeah. I don't have MSG. I can't, I can't really get it here as far as, unless I can get it online, I suppose. I'm sure I can find it online either way. Uh, so my next one is from Rob top, uh, who has come on the show for episode, I believe two. Um, so going way back. Yeah. So Rob on the 12th tweets, Isles, Matt Martin on Sirius XM NHL. Lou Lamorello is more tech savvy than you think, says Matt Martin. So for all those who say he's always sleeping, well, he's doing something on his phone. So I ask you, Matt, how tech-savvy do you think, or tech-savvy, do you think Lou Lamorello is? Is he gifting? Is he emojiing? No, I, I'm going to go with he knows the shortcut for copy-paste. Okay. Do you think he ends his tweets with his name? Yes. It's like, you ever see, uh, do you watch the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes, I do. Okay, so the episode where <laughs> Raymond Holt, the captain, signs all of his text messages. Sincerely, Raymond Holt. <laughs> <laughs> On the bus, he's doing it. Yeah, exactly. I'm right here. Uh, I, I'm sure he's he's borderline not doing it. I, I think he's he does everything else like he texts a lot. I'm sure, um, but he wants to end it with like sincerely, Lou Lamorella. But he's just like that's too many characters. Screw it. Yeah, I feel like he's someone so – okay, this is going to sound – all right, I'm just going to go out and do it. So you know how, like, text talk was cool in, like, the early 2000s when you knew all, like, the shortcuts and stuff like that? Because you were actually, like, hitting, like – if you needed the A or the C, rather, you'd have to hit one three times for it to come up. Yep. But then that kind of went out of style and it was like, all right, you got to, like, text full words and stuff like that back. I feel like he's still texting in, like, early 2000s text code. Like C U L A R. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Like that. Like he's like, oh, I got this out of the bag. Meanwhile, he's texting like 2006 MySpace. You, you can hear the eye rolls from all of his players. Like, oh, God, he did see you later again. Yeah. <laughs> or Or he's like complete other side of the spectrum and he's a text king. And he's like. Memeing the hell out of everything, gifts flying all over the place, just perfect. He's just like on point with his text game. He's either or, one of the two. So the next one I got is from the New York Islanders official account. So they tweeted out, it's an article from their website, Islanders Quarantine Recommendations, recommended by Anthony Beauvillier. And he recommends a TV show, movie, and music. So I wanted to go through each one. TV show Money Heist. Have you seen it? Never heard of that. No, me neither. So I didn't know if I was. The hell is Money Heist? That sounds made up. 
I didn't know if I was out of the loop. I'm not sure what it was, so I didn't I didn't know if you knew it. It was a movie? I don't know. It says it's on their TV show. It, oh, it's a Netflix. That's why it's a Netflix show. Okay. A Netflix show. Fine. His movie is all the Rocky movies. So have you seen the Rocky series? I'm trying to think if I... I know I've seen most of them. I'm trying to think of which one I haven't seen. I don't know if I've seen Rocky 3. The one... You haven't seen the one with Mr. T? No, I have not seen the one with Mr. T. I've seen clips every now and like here and there, but I never sat down and watched the Mr. T one. But I've seen one, two, and four, and five, right? There's six of the Rockies. Well, so are you counting Creed 1 and 2? No, the Rocky okay. 6 came out in like 2006. Okay, so I've seen, I have not seen 2 or 3 and, and 6. Okay. And then the last, I've, se- I've seen all of them. Uh, I got, One's the best. I love 4 just because the okay. the uh, the Cold War thing. Rocky ended the Cold War. I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> Fair enough. The, my favorite is 4. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. And... For music, it's a song by Basto, I think is how you pronounce it. Play it again. I listen to it. It's basically a techno song. But my question to you is, this: why does every NHL player love techno? I don't know. Because it's clubbing music and that that's what's popular? Not really. I, there, it's not like what's played on the radio or anything like that. Like, it's not... Like, that's not pop music. I just feel like everyone is, like, they, they just know all, like, the... The techno stuff. E- I'm just going to say it this way. When when you go to clubs, at least here, there's a lot of that happening. Th- that that song and the fact that it's techno does not surprise me coming from a French Canadian. Not at all. Okay. The, the French Canadians love their techno. Love it. Okay. Yeah, no, like if if we go to like, if you go to like a club or something like that here, it's it's like a DJ mix of like pop and rap and stuff like that it's a lot of electronic music here there's still like your top 40 stuff and and, and pop in and whatnot mm-hmm. but it's it's mostly electronic music although to be fair i haven't gone out in a couple of years so maybe i'm i'm behind the times in my statements here i don't know but um yeah i did i didn't know the song i listened to it and i was like oh it's a it's a techno song of course yeah uh, my last one here is from at Jake Coleman 324 saying the bleep. I don't want to say the word, but it's not a terrible word. Uh, the bleep I do to be many beers deep in a parking lot getting ready to watch another playoff game at the barn. Really missing the aisles more than I thought I could. And uh, to me, that summed up the sentiment perfectly for most of us. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. We'd all be give up a lot to be in a parking lot right now and watching the Islanders or getting ready to watch the Islanders play. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. I I miss, and it seems it's really not that long ago. Really right before the pandemic got bad was when we went and tailgated that game against Carolina. That's true, right? March 7th. And then shortly thereafter, that next week, it was it was done. It was done. It's Man, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, I was really kind of looking forward to maybe going, although maybe it'll, it'll be back in the summer, and maybe I can go this summer and actually have a summer tailgate. <gasps> oh. That'd be amazing. Like a June tailgate? Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. It could be. Um, so I was just scrolling through. Um, also, I wanted to, my last one is, have you followed Howie Rose on Twitter yet? No. Okay. See, I didn't know if you would because he 
he like he's I I love him because he's still the Mets announcer and like obviously former I own there's announcer but his content already is fire. He was throwing shade already and it was I just I love it. It's fantastic. I've already I've seen all the tweets. They just come up. I don't have to follow him because I see him they'll all always come up. I, I even retweeted his second tweet ever going like already he's like what the hell is going on here, right? Yeah. It's yeah. wild. Like what is this thing? Uh I can't get enough. Howie Rose Hand up is my favorite announcer. I might be biased because I've heard him arguably the most, but I can't get enough of this man. And the fact that he's on Twitter is hashtag good for the brand. Yes. So no, I, I've seen all the tweets. I think his second one was I. I'm sorry if I upset anyone. And you're yes. Like, eh, it's Twitter. <laughs> it's Twitter, buddy. Yep. Exactly. So that's perfect. So we're going to end on that note. We're just going to get some plugs in here before we go. So wherever you are listening, if you could subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff, genuinely would appreciate that. Uh, wherever you, you know, listen to your show, appreciate it. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes and Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android. You could also visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders' needs. And lastly, and not least, you can follow the Patreon, patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. Five bucks a month gets you tons of podcasts, tons of content. So we do a mailbag every week. Mitch is doing live streams. We have the newsletter going. We have other podcasts where we break down topics and, and go really in-depth because on the main show, we like to hit on like three to four big stories of the week where we really go more in-depth, like 20 to 30 minutes on a specific topic over there. So if you're looking more for that, definitely check that out. And that is patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Mitch, episode 139 in the books. It was a fun one and... uh this is the new norm, man. It's weird, but week five of the quarantine. I can't believe it's already been five weeks, and uh, we'll see how long this thing goes on for because uh, it's not slowing down. No, it certainly isn't. So thank you to all the first responders, nurses, and all stuff like that on the front lines, doctors, healthcare workers, teachers, too, online. I mean, you guys are the real heroes through all this, so definitely wanted to plug that before we go, too, as well. 1,000% agree with everything you just said. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.